So you just stick with me now. We're going we're gonna to look at Luke 1, and we'll just see how far we get. And uh, next week we'll pick up where we leave off. We start in the time of Herod, king of Judea. So Luke likes to do, to do this. Why does he do it? Because he's an historian. And because history is a friend of Christians. History is not a friend of those who regard truth only internally, only as something for me. Like there are liberals who say it's not really important if Jesus rose from the dead. What's important is that he rises in your heart. May I say rubbish. That's stupid. Truth is first truth here and then it's truth here. Mm -hmm. When you say the word became flesh, you just said something about history. Right. When it says Jesus rose from the dead, you said something about history. It's verifiable. Truth is verifiable. Those who, Mormons have truth that cannot be verified. They have history that cannot be verified. It's not history. It's spurious. It's made up. So we have a word of God that can be verified in history. So you've got the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Luke loved history. Do you love history? Oh, we love history because we love the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of Luther, and the God of Jean, and the God of Steve. So, so this is wonderful. Now, look at chapter 2 just briefly. We just read about Herod. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a degree. This is what he likes to do. He likes to focus. Turn to chapter 3. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, Caesar. Oh, Caesar Augustus is already gone. Now it's Tiberius. And Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea. Oh, Herod's already gone. Herod the Great. Hmm. They're just incidental in the sovereign plan of God. Herod was called Herod the, the Great. Was he great? He was a stinker. He, was, he killed his own son. He finally killed his wife, Mary Amney, because he, he was suspicious of everybody, including his wife and his children. He was not a great. And so we read these histories, but you dig, and then you find out who the great ones really are. We're going to read about the great ones. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Oh, my. This was really a tr priestly family. They were both priestly. She wasn't a priest, but she was a woman, and Males were priests, but she was of a priestly family. So it's saying something about this wonderful, godly couple. You know what I feel like every year when we get around and I start reading these stories? I feel they're sacred. That's what you were saying today, the way you were talking, Bob. This is sacred stuff. I feel it when I start to read it even now. We're on sacred ground. Father, bless us as we open your sacred word. Teach us by your word. Instruct us 
and change us. Because there are people like our friends we met last night that have no clue about your love. And we want to connect with people in a way to bring them that kind of life. Both of them, verse whatever that little number is, six, both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. He's telling us these were wonderful people. They were old people. They were wonderful people. And then it uses the word but. Mm. So they're going to say something in contrast. But they had no children. Oh my. Because Elizabeth was. I'd like to know if in the Greek, uh, the, the, the Greek New Testament says, because Elizabeth was staring. From which we get the word. Girl. She, she was unproductive. She was unable to produce. Now, beyond the ability to produce a child, but she had been that way all her life. But because Elizabeth was staring, sterile, and they were well along in years, we found out they were good people. And we find out they don't have children. And the Bible says children are a gift from the Lord, inheritance from him, truly blessed. Not to have children in those days was different than not to have children today. If a couple didn't have a children, you'd think very little of it because some choose not to. Not true in those days. He didn't have children. God didn't tell him that he had plans for them. God was silent. People weren't silent. She felt the disgrace. She talks about it later. It was a disgrace to her. She's carrying that. What do we do in our suffering? In the midst of humiliation. This was humiliating for them. They prayed. They wondered. It's easy in those kind of situations to make it about us. I wonder if it has something to do with us. People probably say, yeah, she is a little pushy, or she, is, she probably wouldn't make a good mother because she, she thinks she's holier than we are. You can hear them talking. Some people would talk. They did talk because when it was lifted, she says now the, lift, the feeling of disgrace among the people has been lifted. So they talked. So it was very difficult for them. God chose not to speak to them. When God is silent and you are suffering, be careful not to make it about you. Like it may be something God's doing to me because maybe I wouldn't be a good mother. I'm praying for five people now that are on my list that want to have children that haven't. Some have given up hope and said, don't even pray for them. They may think, well, it's something to do with me. No, it's probably something to do with God. This was something to do with God, God's plan to do something wonderful in them. And it could, it's easy to be get, become disappointed with ourselves, 
but then to turn it and become disappointed with God. Do you know anybody who's disappointed with God? Because God didn't come through. Please, please don't change your picture of who you are or your picture of God is. I think, and I can't say I'm sure, but I think that's what happened to Zechariah. Because the way he responds suggests that he was disappointed in God for what God did not do. So we'll come to that in a moment. <clears throat> so I just stop here and pray. Father, if there's anyone here that's in any way offended with you for either what you did or what you didn't do, we pray that you would comfort them today. Comfort them with your love. Because we know in this world we will have tribulation, that things won't go smoothly, that things won't happen as we thought, that prayers don't get answered the way we think they should. God, give us grace to trust in you, to upgrade our confidence in your goodness, and not to turn against you or to be disappointed with you. In Jesus' name. Once when Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. This was a privilege that may only happen once a year. It didn't necessarily ever happen. He was given a privilege of a lifetime. He's going to go in and burn incense. What's that all about? You know the furniture that's a part of the tabernacle and a part of the temple. One of the pieces of furniture was something that stood about this high. It had horns on the fore. It was a box. And they would burn incense how many times a day? Two times a day in the morning and in the evening. The incense was a special combination brought together of four different ingredients, never to be used for anything else. They, no one could make their own incense. Speaking about the prayers that start on the fire of God, not in our heart. So they came in and they, uh, they made sure that the incense was burning in the morning for the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice. What is incense a picture of? Prayer. This is a prayer altar. When's a good time to pray? You're not sure when to pray. Pray always. But the altar of incense suggests that there are two appropriate times to pray. In the morning. Not a bad idea to start your day. Bob just said that's how he started his day today. To start your day. In, yeah, you're right. Yeah, because morning starts the day before. That The day starts before. Evening and morning are the first day. So <clears throat> he was in there. And if this is once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, I suspect he's nervous. Wouldn't you think? Maybe... Please let me do it right. Martin Luther, when he first served communion, he dropped it and, uh, or one, one of the early times, because he was nervous, because you're, you're doing something very sacred, very holy. This is once in a lifetime. 
And so he's probably a little on edge, goes into the temple of the Lord to burn incense, and when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. This is about prayer now. Listen to this. They're praying outside. He's inside burning the incense, which is a picture of our, the fragrance. It says in Revelation that this incense rises to God, and it's pleasing to him. That encourages me. Because am I the only one who sometimes prays and says, is this doing anything? I prayed for this person for 10 years. Is it, is it having any effect? Is God really here? Is he answering my prayer? The incense says, yes, indeed. That it goes up daily. It smells. God smells our prayers. They're like a, a, a sacrifice. When you say, Father, the Father is listening to you. And he receives it. He loves your voice. He loves your prayers. It's coming forth as a sacrifice of praise, a sacrificial offering. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Oh, my. He's already on edge. <laughs> this really had to shake him. Standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Here's the curtain into the holy place. Here's the altar right just before the curtain so that that, that smell would waft into the Holy of Holies. They're not standing in the Holy of Holies. They're standing in the holy place. He really would have been scared if he was in there. So he's standing right here, and he's in this holy place, and uh, here comes the altar to the right, right here. Angels are not three feet tall. They're not pretty. They're awesome. I don't use the word awesome. I like to use it for things that are really awesome. You know, coffee at Starbucks is not as awesome. <laughs> use your words wisely. This is awesome. When Angel Lord appeared, when Zacharias saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Don't answer this too fast. What prayer? Don't, don't answer it too fast. I know you're going to answer it too fast. For your prayer has been heard. I want to ask the question, what prayer? See, I have a thought about that that will be different than yours, but you tell me what prayer you think it is. Okay. Maybe a son Talk, maybe, maybe a son maybe specific. Maybe Okay. Anybody, any other thoughts on that? What is prayer? Salvation. Mm. Like cool. Cool. That's, that's a good thought. Maybe he really loved her and cared about her. And he would find favor in his eyesight. Yeah. He'd been chosen. It doesn't say what the prayer is, but it says that that prayer was answered. Mm -hmm. It may have been for the, for the child. It may have been for Elizabeth or for himself. It may have been for the redemption of Israel because yeah, he was one of, those, one of those who, like 
Simeon and Anna is praying for the consolation of Israel, praying for, for uh, Israel to come into its own. Maybe that's the prayer, and it's come through John the Baptist, that the boy is going to be the means to the answer to the prayer. We're not sure in any sense. Your prayer has been heard. Isn't that wonderful to hear that your prayers are always heard, that just like the incense going forth, I need that encouragement. I'm thankful when I see passages in Scripture that say we get about prayer, that God hears our prayer, because I want to be a person that, that prays. And I don't want to just do it as a psychological exercise, but as something because I know God is hearing and answering. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name Johannes. Yohannes, God is gracious. The Lord is gracious. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, because he will be great. Here's greatness. Greatness wasn't with the Herod that we just read about. He will be great. What did Jesus say about John? That's right. No prophet greater than how long did he serve? Less than a year, for sure. Maybe a few months. We don't know how long. It didn't take long for him to show his greatness before God. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. I want my greatness to be before God, not be, to be before people. He will never, he is never to take wine or other fermented drink. What do we call that person? Yeah. Sounds like it. Who else was a Nazarite? Samson. Samson and another S, Sam, Samuel. When Hannah said, uh, was it Eli that told her? I think she said, he will, I think she said he will never. So we assume that he didn't. So if you meet Samuel in heaven, he'll probably have long hair. And so will, so will Samson and so will if he's a Nazarite, for sure, we know he didn't drink, but if he didn't, if he neither cut his hair, probably have long hair. And will be filled with the Holy Spirit from, I'm going to correct that. Because it literally, I got the Greek New Testament here, and it's, I'm going to show you some other places, but, but from the womb. It's not from birth. It's from before birth. Because it happened before birth that we're going to read about in a minute. And so I don't do that very often. And they have a footnote here. It's better if they would have said from the womb at that point. Because it was, that's the point of the whole story. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. <coughs> A disobedient to the wisdom of the, of the righteous. This is going to happen again. It's happening in our day now that, that people in the spirit and power of Elijah and John the Baptist are stirring in families. The revival of the end times is a revival of relationships and a revival of families deepening and turning. We pray for your family as well to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I listed these seven things that the servant of the Lord 
said to Zechariah, what a wonderful time for Zechariah. What an answer to prayer. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? Now wait a minute, Zechariah, wait a minute. Are you asking for another sign? <laughs> Would you call this a sign, Zachariah? That you that you just got a sign, right? Do you do you want some? Do you want five thousand angels? What would you like in addition to what just happened to you? <laughs> See, this isn't the first time someone's asked for a sign. God doesn't mind. Who do you remember? Do you remember anybody asking for a sign? Gideon asked for a sign, and was God angry with him? Did God give him the sign? He twice. <laughs> okay. So God was God was willing to give him a sign. What? Who else? Abram. Abram asked for a sign. He uh, he didn't need a sign about the birth. Sarah needed a sign. She laughed, and and then was embarrassed. So she said, "No, I didn't." And it was the Lord Himself who was who was visiting him, and said, "No, you didn't." Oh. Uh, the Lord said to her, you did laugh. Who else? Hezekiah asked for a sign. Isaiah told him that he was going to be healthy. Okay, how, can, can you give me a sign? Can you help me understand this? Yes. So God's okay with that. You can ask for a sign. You can ask. Can you show me? You can ask. The psalmist says, give me a sign of your love today. Show me that you're really Okay. I'll be glad to do that. If, if Karen says, Paul, give me a sign that you love me, I'm on that one. I'll, 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 I'll do that. And so if you say, God, give me a sign, he shouldn't have asked for a sign. He was getting it. What, what did he want? And here is Gabriel who says, I stand in the presence. Now, a private doesn't stand in the presence of a general. A private will never get close to a general, I, would, I suspect. A captain does. What's Gabriel saying? <laughs> yeah. This is not your run-of-a-mill exposure, Mr. Mr. Old Man. This is pretty serious stuff. And you're treating this as something, okay, yeah, hey, let me prove it. No, you don't, you, you don't do that. I stand in the presence of God. <clears throat> How many archangels are there? That's right. That's a good answer. We know, we know one. We know one. And Jude calls Michael an archangel. It never calls Gabriel an archangel. It appears that he, if Michael is an archangel, as a warrior angel, fighter, Gabriel, when it's time to announce something really important, Gabriel shows up. So he may be a messenger, an, an archangel. Catholics say Raphael is an, is an archangel because he shows up in the book of Tobit, which is an apocryphal 
book that Catholics recognize as a part of the canon, which means it's in their Bible, it's not in our Bible. I don't think it should be in the Bible. If I'm wrong, sorry, Raphael, you know, sorry. Didn't know you were, you were an archangel, that's okay. But we regard Gabriel and Michael with great importance. There are levels in the, in the military host. If you say the Lord of hosts, you're saying the Lord of battle. Sebaoth. That's the, the military God that we have. He's a military leader, and he's got his army. Gabriel is not a private. We know that. He stands in the presence of God. This is serious, Zechariah. You shouldn't have opened your mouth. You're not going to open your mouth. You're gonna have you're gonna have a quiet you're gonna have a timeout for nine months. Yeah, and I think that shows something in his heart that wasn't open. It shows something that he is, there's some, there's some bitterness. That, that shouldn't have happened. And that's why if your heart is not right in the midst of your suffering, I say steward your suffering well. You know who stewarded her suffering well? Elizabeth. Job did too. Elizabeth here. The reason being, well, I'll show you in a little when we get to it, if we do get to it. Okay. So, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah and wondering why he was staying so long in the temple. What's going on in there? When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them. <laughs> but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, a week long, he would come out. Hey, he couldn't do this. He would come out and he'd give the ironic benediction. They didn't get it from Zechariah. They, he didn't give him the ironic benediction. After this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant. I want to share with something that's kind of funny, that, you, that when you read it in the original, look at what Zachariah says to the angel. How can I be sure of this? I am an old man. I'm presbyterian. Once we get the word Presbyterian. Presbyterian church is for old people. No. Uh, it's, it's a form of government. I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Literally, she's had a lot of days. It's not well along in years. It's literally, she's had a lot of days. But when the angel Gabriel goes to Mary and says, uh, Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She uses the word geres, from which we get the word gerontology. She's old. Gabriel says she's an old lady. <laughs> but God worked miraculously 
And she who was said to be barren, oh, earlier it was barren. She was said to be barren. You're not barren if you're, if you're 80 years old and you have a child. And that's pretty, that's not, that's pretty, that's the opposite of sterile. Whatever sterile is, that's not sterile. <laughs> After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. Here's my question. Why did she remain in seclusion? Okay, she treasured it. Certainly, she treasured it. Any other thoughts? She was afraid. <laughs> Why was she afraid? Well, she was afraid it might not come to pass if she couldn't bear it. She'd go out and everyone would know, and then she'd be exposed. No, she could have her hope. She just felt like she had to live in that hope. People could have been speaking against her still. My thought is near to this, that you don't show in first, second, third, maybe in the fourth. If she starts saying, God, God has been gracious to me and lifted it, they're going to be thinking, <laughs> she really thinks she's having a child. Look at her. This is funny. Seeing an 80, uh, this lady uh, with the, this baby. Poor lady. She, now she's delusional. Now, now she's got delusions that she's having a child. She comes out after five months, no question. And they can rejoice with her. The Lord, listen to what she says. The Lord has done this for me. I, Bob asked why we why we feel the awesomeness of God. When he does something for you and you know it's personal, he has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. It wasn't in heaven. There was no disgrace in heaven. There was silence. But that silence was actually favor of God. I'm waiting for you because you're going to have an assignment nobody else will ever have. Raising the greatest prophet the world has ever seen. And so God was showing his love by waiting silently. They couldn't figure it out. There's no way they knew. But God was showing his love. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away his great disgrace among the people. Now, notice the timing of this. This is the sovereignty of God, God's sovereign moving. Mm -hmm. She was in seclusion for five months. Had Mary tried to get her at that time, Mary would have missed her because she's, in, you can't get a hold of her. Now, Mary's going to hear about this. She's in her sixth month, which means she's completed five months. And so now she's, Mary comes to see her. In the sixth month, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. How far is Judea from Nazareth? 
don't know where she is in Judea, but 80 miles or so. Because now remember, Mary's going to take a trip to go see her. Oh, I think I'll go see Elizabeth. Man, get ready to walk 80 miles. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Ave Maria. Hi. Greetings. <laughs> Greetings. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Whoa. Here we go again. What does an angel say when an angel comes? Hi. Hello. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. There it is again. She is afraid, maybe terrified. For you have found Carus with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Means the Lord saves. He will be great. There's another great one. Not Herod the Great. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign. See, we had, we had chapter 1, 2, and 3. We had people reigning for a period of time, then they're gone. Where, where, where did Herod the Great go? Oh, where did, where did uh, uh, the, the procurator of Judea go? They came, came and gone. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Okay? They both, both questions start with the word how. Hers was different. How will this be? She is so pure, she doesn't even think, I, can, I better quickly get married to Joseph. She didn't say that. She said, how will this be since I'm a virgin? That is the response of a pure person. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child. And she's in the gerontology division. <laughs> and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. And then Gabriel says something that God himself said in the form of a question when he appeared to Abraham. And Sarah was at the tent listening and laughing. Is anything too hard for God? This isn't a difficult assignment for God to take a girl who's whatever age, 16, 18 is, and cause her to have a child without a husband. That's, that's not hard for God. That's easy for God. And she takes this in, the words of Gabriel, 
and said, I am the Lord's doulos. What's a doulos? It's a slave. It's not a servant. It, I mean, literally, it's, it's a, a servant of the lowest. I'm, I'm the Lord's <clears throat> we'll stop there and uh, we'll pick it up. Uh, yeah, let me just finish here. Um, I'm the I'm the Lord's bond slave. In other words, if you want to use my body to do this, you can use my body. In the Gospels, we see different people who offer certain things to Jesus. We have a man who's got a donkey. Jesus needs a donkey. He can use my donkey. We have somebody who has a grave. Jesus needs a grave. He, they weren't thinking about a grave. They weren't thinking about death. Joseph of Arimathea, well, he could use my grave. Here's Mary. He could use my grave. I want to be so available to Jesus. He could use my car. He could use my house. He could use my gifts. He could use my my art. He could use what what would you want to say, Jesus? If I've got something that you can use. 